Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. I invite you to go in your Bibles this morning. We're going to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14, we'll get a running start here in a few moments at the end of chapter 13. But this summer, we're just looking at some of the greatest accounts of divine rescue that we see in the Old and New Testament. Imagine being a prisoner. Maybe you've seen some of that footage or you've seen some of the movies or the hiding place with Corey Tim Boom, where being a prisoner in a Nazi prison camp and the war ending and you're waiting and then Allied troops show up and they unlock the front gate and they open it and you are set free. Maybe you've heard the story, the account of Louis Zamperini in the book Unbroken, in the movie Unbroken. Is that man was set free, and, and, and if you, you watch that, it was unfolding that their impending death was moments away as that whole company of prisoners of war were being marched there with bayonets on the enemy's rifles, and then right at the moment, over flying comes the planes, we see you. And the bayonets come off, and for them, their freedom is moments away and they wait to be rescued. These are great accounts. We who are in Christ, we have been set free. And Louis Zamperini made it back home. And although he was set free from the prison camp that he was held in, it wasn't until he was invited by his wife to go to a Billy Graham crusade in Los Angeles And he did not like the message that he heard. And he went back the next night. And that's where his soul gained freedom. As he confessed his sin and and confessed Christ as Lord. And as believers, in that moment when you repent of your sin and you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, understand what happens. You are set free that very moment from the penalty of sin. Your eternity is completely changed from a hell that you deserve and I deserved to with Christ in heaven forever. Immediately upon your conversion, you are saved from the power of sin, that we believe there's no sin, fill in the blank, any sin that you are held slave to anymore. I don't care how powerful it is. Either Christ is alive from the dead or he's not. Either you have victory or you don't. And it's powerful enough. And one day, although we wrestle with sin and we struggle and we fight against sin, one day we who have been saved will be saved from the very presence of sin. And that is the reality of have been saved, are being saved, will be saved. And that is the greatest story of rescue. And it all comes through Jesus Christ. So if we belong to Christ and loved ones, what will we spend our lives doing? Just sitting on this message? Or will we take this message to Papua New Guinea, to Zambia, to Romania, 
to all of these countries, to North India, wherever we are partnered, we have partners on the ground laboring in the work of the gospel, and we are part of that. If we belong to Christ, then we are never alone, and we are never without hope. We are never without hope. If we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we have the joy and we have the responsibility and we have the privilege of bringing this same message of joy, of hope and salvation to everyone we know and to people we have never met. That God has a divine appointment for you and for them to hear this good news. And we will take every opportunity that we can get We are deeply passionate about seeing human beings set free. I did not know this when I prepared this message uh, this week, but I uh, I was looking for some different statistics, and if you have not yet seen the movie, Sound of Freedom, I would encourage you, you need to go watch it. There's there's a real underworld that we live in. The, The reality of the numbers of people who are in slavery today, it's more than at any point in human history. It is not okay for nations to have open borders and have freedom in the wrong ways. Government abdicating their responsibility that God has ordained. And there are human lives suffering and you read the accounts of some of these young girls that are being brought out of their country and how many times that they have been slept with and raped on their journey to the land of the free and the home of the brave, where are they? I would encourage you to go see that. Today, actually, July 30th, the logo will come on the screen. It's standing against, today is a day to stand against, World Day. Isn't this, how God does this? I tease you from time to time about being really wise, living up to my name, and planning all these sermons out. I didn't know this till last night, so I'll just, full disclosure, that today is the World Day Depending on what the world may be doing about this, I'm not too certain many governments are doing much about this. But we as believers, as children of God, shouldn't we be doing something? And isn't it feel overwhelming? So let me talk to us as men. Let me talk to you guys with the big shoulders. Let me give you one way that you can go at this. And it's the battle against pornography. Because that is the feeder to this entire realm. And I would encourage you, there's a group that I meet with of men. I'm going to recommend this resource. I love, even in the, it's is Ray Ortland's book, it's called The Death of Porn. But then do you see what he does? He highlights in the title, Men of Integrity, Building a World of Nobility. Do you see where his focus is? How are you going to make a difference? And he gives away and he's praying for millions of men to join together in small group community and confess your trespasses to one another that you may be healed and make a difference beginning in your home with your boys, with your daughters, and in a church and in a community that we will see people set free and it begins with us. So we'll be going through that book in the fall. I would encourage you, gather some men around you and say, hey, let's get serious about this and let's make a difference in the lives of people for the sake of the the kingdom of God and let let that have real, real impact on the ground where we live. If there's any sin in our own lives, if there's any one, any person in our own lives, 
and we think they're too far gone, or I've struggled with that sin for too many decades, that's just the way I am, you know, then we need to read our Bibles again. We need to go back to the truth of the Word of God and be filled with the absolute truth. And this is what Paul wrote to the Romans in Romans 15, verse 4. And this is why we're looking even in the Old Testament why we open our Bibles. For whatever was written in former days, will you read that next line with me? Was written for our instruction. See what he does there? It's for us. That, now here's the purpose. Why is it written for our instruction? That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, now read that last line with me, we might have hope. Now, you know why we're going through these accounts in scripture? Because I just know that in a group of this size with people online, at home, or sitting here today, there's somebody here and you don't have any hope. You don't know what this life is all about and you're missing it but you're here this morning and if your heart is open and you're willing to hear from the God who made you and loves you and sent his son to die for you and that son rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave, you will find a hope that isn't just a chance. It isn't just for a moment. It's for this life and facing death and all eternity and his name is Jesus. Amen? Amen? His name is Jesus. So let's be reminded then of the greatness, the goodness, and the holiness of our God that we might tell of him and his marvelous works to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation, to the next generation. We're going to see four truths this morning, all right? Truths for our ultimate freedom. Truths for our ultimate freedom. So we're, we've heard some accounts about you know, freedom uh, from Nazi prison camps or Louis Zamperini or, or people even set free. If you see the, the movie Sound of Freedom, they go after those children, they find them and they set them free based on a true story. But what about ultimate freedom? What about freedom for this life and all eternity? Where does that come from? Doesn't the Lord tell us the truth sets us free? You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So the first truth that we're going to unpack this morning, and then we're going to see this in Scripture, is that God and God alone is God. God and God alone is God. He can do, he does do, and he will do anything he wants to do. He is God. He is sovereign. The king never asks permission to do anything because he's the king. Sovereign. He is God, far greater than any king. And we meet someone who thought, I'm sovereign. I'm the ruler of a world power. I'm the ruler over Egypt. Who do I listen to? No one. Well, we learned that last week. He met the God of heaven. He met Yahweh. Exodus chapter 13 is where we're going to begin. And again, this, um, in, in these sermons where we're covering a lot of textual space, I want you to open your Bibles, open an app, and see it there in the Scripture so that you can go back later and you can um, access it and you see the surrounding, you see the context. And so I don't want just verse after verse after verse coming on the screen when you need your Bibles open there in, in your lap. And, and we don't ever want to dismiss that or take for granted that we have accessibility to the Word of God and just, you know, just 
just only comes on a screen. It's convenient um, at times, it's helpful, but I want you to always treasure having your Bible, the Word of God. Exodus 13, 17, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines. All right, we're going to see that in a moment. Although that was near, that was the, the short way. For God said, lest the people change their minds when they see war and return right back to Egypt. Verse 18, but God led the people around by the way of the wilderness toward the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Uh, we'll come back to that in just a moment, all right? Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones with you from here. And they moved from Succoth and encamped at Etham on the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them, by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light that they might travel by day and night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Now, on the screen, you'll see a map. And the distance here is about from where we are approximately to Toledo of where they needed to go, all right? Destination about that far away. And out of Egypt, that they're in, you know, nestled in by the, the Great Sea, you can see they're coming out of the land of Goshen, so they're halfway there. They're almost, you know, they're, they're on the short side. But the Lord doesn't take them what, what would have been about a four-day walk. He said, no. If I walk them four days and there wasn't all, right now you can't travel directly through there because of all of the terrorism and the conflict between the nations that are between Israel and Egypt. You have to go a long way around and you can Google it, you can do it all later. You can't just walk through the land of the Philistines like they could have. Four day walk and the Lord says, oh, I know these people. If they walk four days and they, get, and they, they meet the first battle and they see giants, they're gonna say, hey, it was only four days to get here. Let's go back. In about a week's time, we'll be home again. Round trip. He said, no, no, no. I know these people, so I'm God, and I'm going to send them a different way. So he sends them the long way. Now back to our Bibles, chapter 14, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of pi Harath." Between Migdal and the sea, in front of Baal, Zephon, you shall camp in, in camp facing it by the sea, for Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and here's what God says, I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh, and all his host, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants repented, okay? Was changed, a complete 180 toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done that we have let Israel go from serving us? So he made ready his chariot and he took his army with him and he took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, and he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. Verse 9. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them encamped at the sea by Pi-Harharath. 
in front of Baal Zephon. God, why are we coming this way? Well, what are we going to see here? First of all, Pharaoh wasn't God. Let's make some application. He couldn't keep the people captive one second longer than the Lord allowed him to. And it came down to minutes and hours when they said, get out of Egypt. They, were, they didn't have time for the bread to rise. Like, bring it, let's go. Grab your stuff, we're out of here. Pharaoh wasn't God. God hardened his heart. That phrase in, in Egyptian thought, if the, the, they did everything possible to be filled with merriment. They believed if you died with a heavy heart, then you were in the underworld doom. So when, at parties, they would say what happens at many parties here. Drink up. You only live once. Party. Be filled with all types of pleasure. Sounds like another nation I know seeking for nothing but entertainment. We read that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. God is sovereign and he's in charge. God hardened his heart. Pharaoh hardened his heart. But God is sovereign. And you see, the Lord is telling Moses, I'm in charge here. Pharaoh is not in charge. Doesn't this strike at our own pride and sense of autonomy? You know, I, I have to think that I'm in control. Well, we also learn that Moses wasn't God. Pharaoh wasn't God. Moses wasn't God. He couldn't free the people on his own. We saw that last week. He failed 40 years earlier, but then coming in the power of God from, from God with the word of God at age 80, and God delivers him 10 plagues later, and they're on the way. And Moses, like most men, would probably say, hey, we can get there. We're not far away. This is going to be great. And the Lord says, yeah, instead of going to the left there, you know, to the northeast, we're going to actually head southeast. Why? If I told you I'm headed, you know, to Toledo later, and I'm going to, you know, just go through Chicago. Why? Anything good come out of, you know, Chicago? I don't know. Why would you go that way? That, Moses would be, all right. Listen to how the writer of Hebrews described Moses. His whole life in a span. Hebrews 11, verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. I want you to catch something. Does that match exactly what we studied last week or does that sound very gracious and kind? I want us to catch something. Moses, he didn't have that wonderful. The Lord in his grace and his kindness, do you see how the account is recorded? Do you know when you serve the Lord, when I serve the Lord and it isn't served, we don't do this perfectly and we don't have all the right motives and we don't have all the energy we need and all the right attitudes. Look how God records this happening in Moses' life. This is covered in the blood of Christ and in the grace of Christ. Listen to how it goes on, verse 26. He, Moses, considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt for he was looking to the reward. 
By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Oh, how good the Lord is to use a guy like Moses and that he would use you and use me. All right, so Pharaoh wasn't God. Moses wasn't God. We're we're narrowing this down here. Um, Israel wasn't God. Okay, they head out on this most unusual route and you know the whole of the people would have said, why are we going this way? Why are we going this way? Who does Moses think he is? Why are we going, why are we turning right? It's that way. We're not that far. We didn't think we even needed to pack that much because we're not going that far. So we thought we can make four days and we're going to the southeast. What are you doing, Moses? The Israelites were powerless against Pharaoh, they, they've been there 400 years. What did they do to get out of Egypt? Nothing. They weren't God. They were crying out night and day. They weren't even crying out to God. They were simply crying out, and their cry came up to God in heaven. He heard them. He saw them. He knew what they were going through. He understood, and he said, I have come down, Moses. I will rescue them, and you'll go and do it for me. So we can learn from these individuals and these people, but then letter D, I am not God. And you have to write that down and personally apply that. I have to bow my mind, my heart, my life before the good and gracious and sovereign King of kings and Lord of lords. And I'm just wondering, have you done that? Is that reflected in your life? I am not my own Savior. I am not anybody else's Savior. We all need a Savior, and His name is, help me out, Jesus. So how do we practically apply this? Let me give some questions that we consider about God and God alone being God, all right? Let me ask these questions. Do you rest in God's sovereignty? Or do we rebel against him because we really feel like we need to be in control? And it's a false sense of control. We're not really in control, but we want to have everything so We make all these plans and so forth. Do you rest in God's sovereignty? Or do you reject it? Or do you rebel against it because it just cuts you the wrong way? Can I encourage you, friend? Let God's sovereignty cut you. Because that's where the cleansing of the scalpel of the Holy One will get right to the heart, discerning the thoughts and intents of the heart. And cut out what's wrong and put in what you need which is a new heart. Let me ask another question. Do I try and save myself? Do I try and save my loved ones or coworkers? Or do I lead them to rely on God? Do I allow disobedience, rebellion, or even the irresponsibilities of others to be dumped on me? Are you listening to me now? What does this look like? Well, you might find yourself guilted into saying things like this, whether it's the coworkers or family members or your children. Well, you know, just this one time, I'll, I'll let that go. I'll help you with this. Just this one time. But you know, if you're honest, you've said that a thousand times. You know it isn't true. But there you go again, and you step in to save the day, and you try to function as Savior, deliverer, 
rescuer. But you're not helping, you're enabling. How's that working? See, this is man-centered. That's how Moses, when he was 40, tried to deliver the people. And I'm pretty confident that there are many of us who struggle with this. And we have the best intentions and the best motivations. But we, say, we, we can look at the situation in our work environment or in our homes and say, something's not right here. Let's learn from Scripture. These things are written so that we might have hope. Not just knock out another day, at the end of the day, exhausted on our beds, thinking, and i got to wake up to do this all again. Let's learn. The approach here where we try to rescue everybody and bail everybody out is not right. It's not healthy. It is called peace faking. It's, it's not peacemaking. It'll never hold up in this life, and loved ones, it will not hold up in the judgment. So why would we prop the people up that we love and we live life with so that they don't ever really realize the consequences of their rebellion, disobedience, laziness, indolence? There is freedom that comes from believing and saying this. Are you listening? I might be your dad, but I'm not God. I can't save you. I have a responsibility that God has given me in your life, and that is to rear you, to train you, to raise you up, but it's not to do everything for you, and it's not to step in and save you from consequences that will only, that's the only way that you will learn and grow and mature. And the reality is, I can't guarantee you that I'll be alive next week to continue my task. So why would I raise you thinking that you can only make it if you have me to bail you out? We have to hold the line. Exodus chapter 18, I will tell you this. This passage is the reason why I'm standing here still in ministry. We were at one of those moments 20-some years ago, wondering, where do we go in serving the Lord, or do we stay, or do we go? And we prayed through this passage as husband and wife. Ezekiel 18, the word of the Lord came to me. What do you mean by repeating this proverb concerning the land of Israel? The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. As I live, declares the Lord God, this proverb shall no more be used by you in Israel. Behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father as well as the soul of the son is mine. The soul who sins shall die. You say, I don't understand, Pastor, how that is the passage that you're still in ministry. Let me explain it to you. You ever heard somebody and they say, you know, I lose my temper, but my old man always lost his temper. And so that's the way I am. Yeah, I struggle with alcohol. My dad was an alcoholic and that's just the way we are. Well, my dad treated women this way. That's the way I treat. You just can't change. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, let's correct that with Scripture, with truth. We're not dogs. And what this passage told me, applying to me, is this. 
I will not give account for my father, my human father. I love my dad. He will give account to God for himself. And that released me of the good, the bad, the indifferent of my father. And we all have that. We talk about that often. And it also, in the same cut, put all the responsibility that I was a father and I was a husband and I was called in ministry and all that responsibility was planted firmly on my shoulders that I, I will answer to God for what he has called me to and what I'm supposed to do. And I'm not alone. So fulfill your calling, Brian. And I said, okay. Lord, you go with me and we'll move to Michigan. And that's what we did. You will not give account for your parents. You do not have to repeat the mistakes of your parents. But through the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness, things can change in your life because there is a God who is alive. He cares and he is powerful enough to raise Christ from the dead. What is it that he cannot change in our attitudes, in our behaviors, in our actions? so that we live to the glory of God. Maybe you're here and you say, well, I have, to, I have to have all of the answers before I can submit to this God. You'll never get all the answers. He'll never fit in your little puny brain concept mind, okay? I don't care who you are or how many PhDs you have or how famous you are. You will die one day and you will stand before the God that made you. Did you hear the Lord to Ezekiel? I who live. He's always living. He's alive. So maybe it's time for you today to stop doing all the doubting and questioning. Bring all those questions, bring all those doubts to the one who said it this way, Matthew 18. Disciples are over there arguing. They were so good at that. Who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Calling to him, Jesus called the child. And by the way, can I just say, did you notice these kids just up here just sitting this morning? Just listening to Jay and listening to Marlene. And we just made time for the kids, right? Didn't plan that either, really, but here's the verse, right? This is what Jesus says. Puts a kid in the middle of them and says this. Hey, Mr. Big Shots, that's my paraphrase, Truly I say to you, unless you turn, repent, and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. It's simple faith to trust in the Lord. Number two, God and God alone is God. Number two, my faith and trust must be in God alone. That's what Jesus is talking about that I would learn to trust in the Lord. And I said it, I think, last week, and I'm going to say it again, J. Vernon McGee, God cannot, and I would add to it, will not save a man who is trying to save himself. Are you trying to save yourself this morning? Well, I, I don't do these things, and I don't do those things, and I had this done to me, and I went through that, and I had baptism, and I had confirmation, and I did the thing, and I give the offering, and I think, and what does it mean to be a member? All of that is secondary to your sins being forgiven and you being adopted into the family of God. That's primary. Exodus 14 now, continuing. Verse 10. When Pharaoh drew near, 
The people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they said, we will trust in the Lord. No. And they feared not even a little bit. They feared greatly. And the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Oh, here's what, oh Lord, you delivered us from Egypt and we will see your hand at work again. Sing another song, worship leader. Nope, that's not what they said either. Verse 11, Exodus 14. They said to Moses, here you go. Is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out, in, out of Egypt? Is not this what we said to you in Egypt? All right, you love that one in arguments, right? I told you so. I told you. You don't listen. We told you, Moses, leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. Hmm. But God said, Moses, go tell Pharaoh, these are my people, and I want them to serve me. We were serving the Egyptians and doing just fine. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Verse 13. And Moses said to the people, I quit. <laughs> I'm out. Come on, Aaron. Aaron, come on. Let's go. Aaron. Now, verse 13, Moses said to the people, fear not. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you only have to be silent. That's a long way to say shut your mouths, right? <laughs> be quiet, be still, close your mouths, and watch. Now, what does Moses know is going to happen here? Only what the Lord has told him, and he's trusting the Lord. Be quiet and look to the Lord. So... Let's make some application here from this section. I choose, and so do you, to respond in fear or faith. Here we see the Israelites. They're panicking. Oh, no. They immediately forgot about God's deliverance from Egypt that was just a few days before. Here comes a trial, and Israel failed to apply God's character and past faithfulness to their present situation. This is always the recipe for disaster, loved ones. So that's why we gather. It's one of the things that we do. We gather Sundays. We gather in small groups, and those will begin in the fall. And we rehearse, and we remember God's faithfulness. We remember God's faithfulness, and we praise him for his faithfulness. He's been good. He's been faithful. We sing of his faithfulness. Psalm 34, filled with the faithfulness of God. I choose to respond in fear or faith. They're, they're very opposite. I choose to respond, and so do you, in doubt or in trust. And the scriptures lovingly and directly command us to trust in the Lord. That's the best place for us to be. That's the safest place for us to be. That's where we want everyone to be, in our family, in our community, where we work, in our world. Trust in the Lord. Psalm 20, verse 7, you can see almost a picture in, in Israel's history. Some, like Pharaoh and all of Egypt, trust in chariots and some in horses. But we remember what happened back there. 
We trust in the name of the Lord our God. We're not trusting in this political party or that political party or this person in office or that person in office. They'll always let you down. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. I can respond and so can you in complaint or praise. In Israel, they responded in complete complaint. We could have died in Egypt. Man, that's a great speech, isn't it? We told you so. We're going to die here. We walked all this way. We could have just died back there. If you need help with this, go download the entire series on Philippians, Unbreakable Joy, and preach it to your heart again. Choose joy. Loved ones, if I, if you belong to the Lord, then what did we just read? He will fight for me. If I belong to the Lord, he will fight for me. So then why should I ever be afraid? What do we have to fear? What can a man do to me? Kill you? Yeah, and then I'm with the Lord. That's a recipe for win, okay? Psalm 56, 11, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? Psalm 118, 6, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Hebrews 13, 6, so we may confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalm 46, 10, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. When he is exalted, I'm exalted because I'm in him. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Number three, my highest worship and heartfelt obedience to God is the only right response. My highest worship and heartfelt obedience to the Lord, the living God, is the only, it's my only, it's your only right response. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, Exodus 14, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. Lift up your staff. Remember that staff? Remember what I do with that staff? Get ready, Moses. Stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it so that the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. Yeah, you wouldn't have seen that if you got in the way of the Philistines, would you? There's no Red Sea to go through. In verse 17, and I will, the Lord has added again, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians, not just Pharaoh, so that they shall go in after them, and I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots and his horsemen, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them. Verse 20, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was a cloud in the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. The Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning, watch, the Lord in the pillar of fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic. 
clogging their chariot wheels. So they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen. Of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Listen now, the writer of Hebrews summarized this miraculous event. Hebrews eleven twenty nine. by faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. A different God. They didn't serve the same God. Their gods were all destroyed and their lives were lost in the Red Sea because they didn't trust in the Lord. So what's our application? Loved ones, there comes a time to stop crying. They gotta turn the TV up in the nursery for this one, right? They need this one. Time, <laughs> it comes a time to stop crying and start walking. All right, turn that energy into walking. It was time for Moses to tell the people, let's get going. And this theme is repeated throughout Scripture. James 1, verse 22, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intent intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away at once and forgets what, it was, what he was like. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing, in the doing of the word. And Revelation 1.3 says, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. All right, so there's a blessing for me to just simply read this, to go through the scripture and read. There's a blessing. There's a blessing that you are under right now to hear the word of the living God being read into your very ears and hearts, but listen to where this gets amplified and who, what's that next word? Keep what is written in it for the time is near. Read it, hear it, but most of all, what's the word? Keep it. Do the word. Obey the word. And so the Lord's telling Moses, hey, you got to tell the people, stop crying, stop complaining, and start walking. The sea is this way. You got to go down the banks and get on the dry ground and walk through. And they did. Loved ones, there will be lessons learned that only come through experience. <laughs> There's no other way to get it. You, we can hear, we can hear about, oh, that was great for Moses and Israel and Pharaoh. And we can go through all of these accounts. But are you experiencing the, the mighty hand of God in your heart? giving you victory over sin in your life, giving you victory in your marriage, your family? Are you applying the word of God practically and faithfully and humbly to our own hearts? Are we doing this? Because we will learn these lessons, but we have to learn them ourselves. They couldn't have the victory without going down the banks, getting into the Red Sea. And just imagine walking through with a father and you just saw other 
sons and husbands and fathers drown in the sea. You're about to see that. You walk through, and there you are, and the water is walled up on both sides. Isn't that an act? Isn't that a little claustrophobic for some of us? The water is walled up on both sides. I want to see that when I get to heaven. I want to see that, that, that DVD, that episode, that session. You know, to walk along like, hey, there's a fish, you know? Like, who wants a fish? That's my kind of fishing. And they walk through the water, and the kids are beholding this. They're looking at the water, Dad, is up there. How is it doing that? God's doing this. And then they get to the other side, and they look back, and they see all of that water collapse on the enemy of God. That enemy was coming after the children of Israel through whom would come Messiah. See, if you look at this and you're like, oh, how, the God of the Old Testament is so mean. Yeah, if that Pharaoh and his army takes out the children of Israel, you don't have a savior. And you're gonna sit in the judgment seat of God. You see, Moses and all the children of Israel, you and me and Pharaoh and his army all deserve to be thrown into the Red Sea and into hell. But through those people would come Jesus. And so the Lord is saying, oh, I will be sending a savior. And he is better than Moses. There's an ultimate rescuer coming. And so number four, God uses trials and testing for our good and for his glory. He uses trials and he uses testing for our good and for his glory. This helps us make sense of the trials that we are going through, loved ones. So by God's grace, we will see the salvation of the Lord. Listen to, what, listen to what it says in uh, Exodus 14.30. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Oh, by God's grace, we will see the salvation of the Lord. The Lord saved Israel out of the hand of mighty Pharaoh, but he wasn't mighty enough and it wasn't even a close battle. Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for what? For good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Do you hear that condition in there? Do you love God? If you love God, it's because he loved you first and you love what God loves. So you can't say, I love God, and I belong to God, but I have this sin in my life, and I love that. And I'll hold on to that. It's incongruent. We will see the salvation of the Lord. We will witness his power over the enemy. The Israelites saw the power of God. The enemy was defeated before their very eyes. We will see people rescued from the destructive and deadly power of Satan and sin, all types of sin, we will witness his power over the enemy. So God, use us to see people set free from the tyranny of Satan to serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the good shepherd who laid down his life for the sheep, King Jesus. John eight thirty four says, Jesus speaking, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. Verse 35, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, read it with me, you will be free indeed, unless it's this sin. You see the foolishness of that. 
you will be free indeed. This is the word of the living God. So we will fear the Lord and will follow him and godly leaders. Let us fear the Lord and follow him and godly leaders. You see what the Lord did here? The Israelites feared the Lord. They believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Do we really revere the Lord? Do we possess a right and humble fear and honor before the Lord? Then let's sing to him. Let's walk in holiness before him. Let's get into his word and let's put it in deep in our hearts and apply it to our lives. Let's bring other people to him through the gospel of peace because Psalm 19 verse 9 says, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. Enduring forever. Now, you ready for some homework, a homework assignment? After the picnic, you get home later on tonight. I'm not gonna take the time this morning to read. 1 Corinthians 10, the first part, is Paul's message to the church at Corinth, and he takes this whole, what we've talked about this morning, and he applies it, and he calls them to holy living. Because of what the Lord did in the Old Testament, delivering his people, then he calls us to holy lives. So four truths, God and God alone is God. We got that settled? My faith and trust, your faith and trust must be placed where? God alone. My highest worship and heartfelt obedience to God is my only, the only right response. Have you responded that way? Maybe today is the day. And oh, take heart because God uses every trial and every testing in our lives for our good and for his glory. And we can take that to the eternal bank because it's the word of the living God, amen? Will you stand with me? What's your next step? What's your next step to personally submit to the truth and enjoy ultimate freedom? Worship team, you come. And one of our next steps is we're gonna respond in praise out of Psalm 34 and worship this God. Father, thank you. Thank you that you are the rescuing God. Father, we cannot save ourselves and we on our own cannot save others. But through the gospel of peace, we can bring that message of salvation to everyone. And you are the God who saves sinners. Father, thank you. Thank you for the gospel. And thank you for your word, Lord. I pray that we will trust in you all of our days. And I pray for the person that is here under the sound of my voice today and they've never placed their faith and trust in you, that today this would be their statement. I turn from my sin and I trust in you, Lord. Receive me. I surrender to you. Take me. Take all of me and use me for your glory. And you will hear and you will receive them if they are brought by your spirit today to respond in such a way. And then let, we want to hear about that, Lord, and help them take that next step of obedience and follow you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.